0: You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, we are going to talk all about watches today. And according to a new industrial report, sales of second-hand luxury watches will overtake new models within a decade as buyers seek rare timepieces from brands such as Rolex and AP. Now, Swiss-based industry analyst and consulting firm Lux Consult a forecast that the market for vintage and pre-owned watches will surge to some 79 billion euros in 2033. That's more than three times the 25 billion euros sold last year. In anticipation of a hotter secondary market, we want to find out which are the watches investors should resell versus those that they should keep in the long term and also should emotions play a part in the decision process if at all. And we want to hear from Mr Oliver Mueller, consultant and advisor at Lux Consult as well as Dr Bernard Cheong. He's one of Singapore's most prominent watch investor who have been collecting watches since the late 1970s and you might also know him as the founding partner of Lifeline Medical Group in Singapore. So, uh welcome guys and I understand you two actually knew each other for 15 years. What a coincidence here. <laughs>
1: Yes, that's that's true. Hello, thank you for having me. Hello,
0: Bernard. Hey, hi, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you guys on the show. But I'd like to start with Mr. Mueller. Lux Consult's report uh, forecasts that the market for pre-owned watches would more than triple, €79 billion Euros, uh, in 10 years. That's what we are looking at. How did you arrive at this conclusion? And what are the reasons driving up the secondary market on top of the usual reasons like long wait lists and the discontinuation of some top model?
1: Yes, I came to this conclusion because uh, the supply of new watches always is lagging behind the, the demand, and demand went up very strongly, uh, mm-hmm. not only in recent years. It was always the case that you would never find a Rolex Daytona or some Submariners yeah. or the Royal Oak for Um the main accelerator came in 2017, 2018, with uh, the money uh, that some people were m- making with cryptocurrencies. Yeah, uh, they they all of a sudden discovered the watches as a gu- good new way of making the quick buck. Um, so a lot of people went into the market and pushed the values. Um, besides that, the the structural um uh, factor is the fact that when you're a luxury brand, you don't have any interest of supplying too much or at least as much as the market is asking for you. You want to stay rare and in demand. And as long as you achieve a balance, more or less, then uh, you are still the star on the market. Now, the secondary market
0: hmm. uh,
1: grew a lot because Uh, Brands like Rolex, like AP, like uh, Patek Philippe are not uh, in the capacities of of supplying enough. So by uh, collateral effect, the secondary market went up very strongly since 2018. And Mm -hmm. the main key accelerator factors are the fact that, as I said, there are some uh, people uh, trying to make the quick buck on it, speculators, hmm. exactly as you will find on the stock market, Right. and uh, a growing number of people buying those brands.
0: Right, and talk about the shortage. It's always exhibition pieces wherever we go, isn't it? Well, uh, Dr. Cheung, this question for you. How did you become a watch collector? And as a watch collector for the past 50 years, to what extent do you get your collection pieces from the secondary market? Are there any examples to share with us?
2: Yeah, I think we all became watch collectors um, more or less by accident after we <laughs> had, like uh, acquired like, more than 10 watches in your collection. Partly mm. because we never threw away watches, you know, especially when you are early uh, buying some cheap watches, you know and inexpensive ones. You never throw it away. So after a while, you tend to have quite a lot in your drawer (laughs) or in your room. Yeah. uh, That happened to me and I guess to a lot of people. Hmm. The thing about buying from the secondary market, uh, it's very real and actually it's the most uh, academic way of buying watches because if you can imagine when watches enter the secondary market and are resold, they have actually been through a filter That means
0: Hmm.
2: brand-new watches, a lot of brand-new watches may not be worth anything, you know. Yeah. But when it enters the secondary market, obviously the dealer thinks it is worth something and it can be traded. And that's why it has been bought up. So that's the way I used to look at it. Besides, it's also the way that collectors look for watches which they may have missed in their collecting career and their journey.
0: Hmm. So, which are the watches that you have collected, uh, or you have gotten from the secondary market?
2: Wow. I I would say, in in the nineties, all the way back around the yeah, last yeah forty years, I would have collected Rolex, Patek, every every single brand that you can possibly conceive. But uh, the very rare watches are uh, sometimes, um uh, you have no choice but to buy, actually buy it through auctions or through very well known contacts who have long reach into the secondary market. And I think Oliver is absolutely right. When when the market has matured so much over the last, like, easily 50 to 60 years, since the 1960s, hmm. uh, right now the collectors are much more mature and they have access to an incredible amount of information. So much so that when they look backwards, they see a lot of watches they missed, as they were not aware of these watches. Hmm. And... And also, the secondary market is very mature right now. The auctioneers, uh, the various forums and societies, we we have harvested a lot of watches from previous collectors and from even collectors like myself.
0: Hmm. And uh, Dr. Cheong, you mentioned about a very mature secondary market and uh, you also talked about the behaviour of watch collectors and I want to just uh, deep dive into that. Collectors in general, do most of them hold their watches for a lifetime or do they hold them for, let's say, the long term to sell it upon the discontinuation of the models? And if that's the case, what is the, well, for a lack of better words, investment horizon and how how is the collection process like for you then?
2: Okay. Ten years ago, uh, I wouldn't have said that uh, collecting was like a, a way of really in in investing a lot, unless you're a very, very academic collector. Yeah. And uh, you, you must have a certain amount of uh, disassociation from your emotional attachment to the watch. And I think uh, most collectors are attached to about more than two-thirds of their watches because a lot of them were bought emotionally, so you don't want to sell them. But a third of them, right, Mm. if they're academic buys or very technical buys, I think collectors rarely hold on to more than 10 years or maybe 15 years max if it's a technical buy. And you would trade in or buy to the next, what you would perceive even more desirable piece.
0: Mm.
2: There are very few collectors who have M. I mean, uh, limitless budget, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how expensive your watches are, you will still venture to grow and improve your collection.
0: Right, and Mr. Mueller, I'd like to um, pose this question to you. Your data suggests that Rolex, Partic and AP account for over half the trading value of secondary market watches. Mm. Which are the models in particular that are heavily traded or in demand in the secondary market right now?
1: Yes, the, um, the overproportion of those three brands, which we call the big three in the secondary market, is given by the fact that they have all, uh, all of them have iconic watches Rolex, the Submariner, and the Daytona, yeah. Patek, the Nautilus, and the Aquanaut, or the Marpigay, the Royal Oak. So, those are the models which are most in demand and on which you, you are making a good investment because the value retention on those are very high. And I would like to circle back just one second to right. what Bernard just said. I fully agree with with what he said, that the, the watch collectors now have access to uh, tons of data to look how the watches behaved, which you didn't have 10, 15 years ago. You wouldn't know how uh, the value of your collection was behaving. You would know more or less because you were in contact with other collectors, but you didn't have indexes like today offered by watchcharts.com, or uh, Subdial that you are mentioning, or Chrono24, which mm. is a marketplace. So the question is um, where to invest is is with blue chips, and Rolex, Patek, and Audemars are amongst those blue chips in which you can invest. One point which I I, am, I have a little, little bit a different opinion than Bernard is on the fact that the younger generation Gen Z coming into the secondary market mm. are reselling much faster. Bernard is is a uh, sorry for saying this, Bernard. I won't reveal your <laughs> no your age, but <laughs> but yeah, you are you are part 90s, of <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> but you are part of a generation which which we love that the independent watch brands because you were buying yeah. with your heart mostly and less with rationals. And today, the younger generations, they are looking a lot into the value retention, how the brand overall behaves and how that specific iconic grail or trophy watch, however you want to call it, Mm -hmm. uh, behaved in the last five or three or two or, or even worse than that six months.
0: And yes. Mr. Mueller and Dr. Cheung, um just solely buying watches with our our brains instead of our hearts. Which are the watches you think that uh, will be in demand in the secondary market, maybe five, ten years from now? In essence, which are the models that we should buy, preferably from the primary market, and sell ten years later?
2: Rolex for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and public again and again. I think automatic decay I would. I would say that it's safer to buy their Royal Oak collection.
0: Okay, any any other models it. apart from yeah. that, when we talk about Rolex apart from the sports watches? Uh, okay, if you look at these three,
2: you mentioned primary market. The primary market, uh, it, it's really for seasoned collectors like myself, you know, <laughs> because of our access to even a different lane of information. Yes, and right. and we have the the audacity and the the ability to trade in very valuable watches that we have bought much earlier in our collecting career.
0: But mm. to a
2: young chap, he has nothing except money in his pocket, right? <laughs> he has not got enough information. He's struggling to to fight in this arena. He he has to like. Be very careful and still go for Rolex, Pastic and Audimas. But uh, if you ask me, right, some mm-hmm. of the really super pieces they, they line uh, with the, the really deep brands like Gruber Foxy, Vianney Halster and many independent brands like D B Tune, S P June, this kind of thing.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, Mr Mueller and Dr Cheong, I want to just move on to the next question. Uh, In the interest of time, market prices for the most popular luxury watches have been falling. If we look at the Subdial 50, which is the weighted index of prices of the 50 most traded luxury watches, that's down 20% in 12 months. Do you think that it is a time or a good time for bargain buys?
1: Yes, yes, and no. It depends again, Of course, the prices came down. for we we contained one very specific example, which is the Rolex Daytona, which came down by about forty uh, percent on the secondary market. But those minus forty are still two point five the official retail price. Hmm. So it, now it retails at about thirty thousand on the secondary market. But the real retail uh, price for a new Daytona is still 13,800 Swiss. Yeah. So the prices are still high overall, but the underlying value or the potential of that watch is still there. So you can't go wrong. I agree with Bernard. We, if I were to give any advice to anyone, especially as he said, if you don't have a specific knowledge of the market, I would recommend the blue chips, which are Rolex. AP, etc. And then I would go for uh, brands which are less uh, less popular because either they are smaller or they are not so well known. So <laughs> we are seeing, seeing currently Lange und Zune going up, which is a very fine, yes. high end brand, very mm-hmm. nice mechanical okay. timepieces. There you still have uh, a lot of, of potential. Getting into the market is always, it's like at the stock market. It's always on what time horizon do I look.
0: Mm-hmm. If I
1: look at the last, um, as you just said, the last 12 months, I take the watch charts uh, index uh, for the last 12 months, which stays at minus 17% or at a minus 35 if I take the long-term uh, average uh, annual growth rate. Hmm. But if I take three years, we are still at plus 50%. So the, the, it's a good asset class to invest in,
0: hmm. but
1: you have to be clear on what time horizon you are investing. If you want to avoid risk, you go for the blue chips and you look for the long term. If you are rather open to take risks, then you go maybe for lesser known and for shorter term investing horizons.
0: Hmm. So uh, Mr. Mueller, Dr. Chung, we've talked about the watches to invest, sell, buy and sell in the secondary market. But which are the watches you have kept all this while and which are the watches that you have sold and regretted after that?
2: Ah, I think again, uh, it comes to buying. I think the ones that I've regretted selling were, I, I traded a lot in my Rolex, my plastics and my Audimas Piguet in the early uh, all-right Better to say, throughout my my whole journey, you know, the last 40 years, I've been trading these watches in and out to buy higher pieces. But I really do regret selling them some, you know, hmm. but no choice because, like I said, I don't have limitless budget.
0: Right.
2: But uh, the ones I've kept are, like, I agree with uh, Oliver, is that I've kept my Danny houses and my Gruber forces, And I think these watches are high-risk, very high return.
0: Hm. What is the high return or, and high risk that you're talking about? What can we expect? Any? Okay.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. These these watches were very expensive uh, in the beginning. I I would I give you an example of a Vienni holster. Yeah. There are very few of these watches around, and if you Google it, it's very easy to see what they look like. Um, and uh, when I bought my early Vienni holsters. Hmm. um it cost me between 15000 to about uh, $50,000, $70,000 each. Right. The 15,000 watches have now reached three times their value and that Ooh, okay. to a trader. Let's give an, a, a good example.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Mueller and Dr. Cheong. We'd love to take this conversation further, if not uh, for the time constraints. (laughs) Uh, That was Mr. Oliver Mueller, consultant and advisor at Lux Consult, as well as Dr. Bernard Cheong, one of Singapore's most prominent watch investor. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.